listening to Metal Matters, the official weekly Gimme Metal podcast. Hello, everyone. We're launching another chapter in the Metal Matters saga. A lot of you people have been getting in touch with me, extolling the virtues of the obscurity of some of the records that we talk about on classic records. So uh, I decided that we do these uh, deep cuts episodes, talk to different people, people that I consider to be in the know uh, regarding music, and just kind of do our own deep dives into bands that uh, aren't necessarily household names, but bands that we dig. So in this flagship episode, I've invited my good friend, my old friend, Jay Bennett, rock scribe and musician. So Jay, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Em- emphasis on the old, I guess we'll go with on that. Um, but yeah, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm, uh, I'm excited to do this. We have some, um, we have some real gems, I think, for, for the folks out there. Absolutely. So everything going well out there in California? I, I read things in the, in the news, and I want to make sure you're doing okay. Yeah, man, I'm good. I mean, you know, it's, the virus is everywhere. The, most of the state is on fire. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm hanging in there like a loose tooth. <laughs> All right, man. So uh, we put together, or I should say, we're focusing more on Jay's input on this episode. And uh, Jay's put together a short list of some records, crucial records, that uh, we need to talk about. And um, I've got a chance to check out some of this stuff myself, and I'll be adding some of my impressions on Jay's selections. So here we go. Any, any particular order for these, Jay? Your choice. Well, I'd like to start with Dax Riggs, man, because okay. – uh, I got to be honest, out of um, all of the records that you recommended, uh, Dax Riggs was the artist that I was you know, most familiar with. You know, Dax being the singer for Acid Bath, uh, a band that's actually, I would consider them to be kind of a legendary band in some respects. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they were, uh, you know, I think along with like, crowbar and um you know i hate god and uh um those types of bands i mean soil and green uh they were kind of one of the 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 leaders of um they were they were kind of that era of new orleans bands that um kind of came after i mean the, the big kind of like 80s New Orleans thrash band was X-Hoarder. People probably know that. Um, and then so the, the, the bands that kind of were influenced by X-Hoarder are your Crowbars, your Acid Baths, um, uh, even I Hate God to some extent. Uh, Phil Anselmo came out of New Orleans uh, before he moved to, to Texas to join Pantera, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, so Acid Bath was one of these bands, and, and they were a little different than kind of those other bands I mentioned because... Dax Riggs is a real singer. Um, he kind of did the screaming stuff that all those bands were doing, but he also could really sing. And Acid Bath is also notable for um, uh, Sammy Duet. I think that's how you say his name. Is it yeah, Duet Sa- or Duet? Sa- Sammy Duet. Yeah, Sammy Duet, who who now is uh, in Goat Whore, of course. Uh, he can He was in Acid Bath as well, and also a and, uh, too. Yeah, well, yeah, was he in Crowbar for a oh, minute? Yeah. I think he yep. was. 
Yeah, yeah. Sammy okay. played on uh, um, in Crowbar for for a while, actually. So, so Acid Bath uh, tragically ended when uh, the bass player was killed in a car accident um, uh, with his parents. Actually, uh, he and his parents were, were both were all killed uh, in the same accident. Uh, they were all in the car together. Um, it wasn't their fault. They were hit by a, a drunk driver. Dax Riggs told me this in an interview that I did with him years ago. Um, but uh, so, uh, you know, one of the, one, this is to segue into the record we're going to talk about. Um, probably one of the most popular or well-known acid bath songs is a song called "Bleed Me an Ocean." Uh, and uh, so that is, I found out from Dax Riggs that that's essentially a song that he wrote, like in its entirety for acid bath and that's actually not usually what happened with acid baths when he would write stuff uh music they would take bits and parts of it uh, bits and pieces and, and piece together with other stuff that they had and then you know um those would become the songs so it, that's interesting because believe me an ocean is kind of one of the songs that reminds me the most of this dax riggs album his first solo album we Sing of Only Blood or Love, which came out in 2007. Um, that reminds me of this record. And this record reminds me most of that song. So that, that kind of all made sense to me. Um, I did an interview with him when he toured uh, We Sing of Only Blood or Love. He came to Spaceland in Los Angeles in 2008. Um, so the next year. Uh, and uh, I did an interview with him in, in my car. We sat in my car and, and had Budweiser Tallboys. And he gave me all this uh, sort of information. Um, uh, so yeah, and this this album, you're familiar with the album. We sing of only blood or love. What, oh I mean, yeah. What, when, yeah. When did when did you get to it? And what tell me what's your deal with this record? Well, I was um, more you know obviously I, I found out about Dax Riggs from Acid Bath, and one of the things I like to add about them is true. They were part of that original um, '90s. New Orleans kind of sound, which, uh, you know, there's like a heavy blues thing going on. It's like, um, you know, very, very heavy. But where I feel, I felt like Acid Bath departed from the other bands. Um, I mean, I mean, Crowbar touched on this a bit, but they actually had a lot of melody in their music. And I felt that, I felt like almost like if Acid Bath had been able to stick around, they might have become like an act you know a bigger band like a, a legit mainstream style band because in the 90s you know there was a whole laundry list of bands doing stuff that was like you know this kind of blues based sabbath melodic vocals you know stuff like soundgarden alice and chains like maybe even like um some of the early nirvana stuff like i hear all of this stuff in an acid baths music and yeah, though I, they probably weren't influenced by Nirvana because they were like ra- around like around the same time as that band. But um, so I came late to the Dax Riggs, uh, you know, roadshow. And um, primarily I was exposed to his solo material just on tour, uh, you know, driving. Everyone's playing their iPods and taking turns playing shit as you're driving across the country. And um you know, I, I dig a lot of that, uh, you know, like Mark Lanigan's solo material. Uh, and I felt like Dax Riggs fit in that same environment as, say, you know, Mark Lanigan or Greg Dooley, but with 
like almost like a dirtier like vibe to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think the Lanigan thing's a great example because I also love Mark Lanigan's solo stuff. And, and that's kind of, I think, what maybe drew me to this as well. Um, just to give a, it's interesting you mentioned mainstream success too, because, so just to give, so Acid Bath, uh, you know, ends in tragedy in, I forget what year, I think it was the late 90s um, or maybe mid 90s even. Um, but uh, so then Dax Riggs ghost and forms this band called the Agents of Oblivion. Uh, that did not last long at all, but they had, I think, one record or two. I think one record came out, and then one came out later that was kind of like posthumous or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that band didn't last long. And so then he did this thing that was called Dead Boy and the Elephant Men. Uh, and that was a kind of a darker, white stripe-style duo with a, with a female drummer. Um, <laughs> but it was kind of dark. It was way darker and less, less poppy than... Um, than the white stripes, obviously, but it was it, it was catchy though, and it kind of had that. And and Dax in an interview told me that actually, even though he was in no way influenced by the white stripes, they definitely uh, inspired him in the sense that because white stripes were, I mean, when he formed Dead Boy, white stripes were like the biggest band going at the time. So he was like, oh, if they can get all this successful, then maybe I can do that too because I'm doing a similar thing, yeah. you know. So. This solo record, this we his first solo record, the We Sing Among the Blood of Love, was originally supposed to be the neck the, the next, the third Dead Boy and the Elephant Man record. Um, but that project fell apart and he did he 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 did this record. Um, he got signed to Possum Records, um, which apparently was arranged by Matt Sweeney um, from Chavez and Zwan, um, who also produced this record and who plays on it all over the place too. Um, and I think Matt Sweeney, I'm pretty sure, uh, I should have looked this up, but I'm almost positive that Matt Sweeney was in the band that Josh Homme put together when he did that, uh, record with Iggy Pop a few years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm almost positive. And I, what I know for a fact that he did was, uh, for a while Vice and Noisy were doing these cool, like, um, guitar type, um, instructional videos where Matt Sweeney would go and like sit down with like Billy Gibbons or, um, he did one with Josh Homme. Um, he did one with, uh, with Keith Richards, I think even, um, like some cool people, um, Ace Freely, and they would just kind of like play licks and talk about guitar. And so Matt Sweeney did all that stuff. He's a really excellent guitar player. Um, but he produced this record. He, um, he plays on it and he apparently is the one who convinced Dax Riggs that this should be under his own name. Um, uh, so, I mean, this record is, uh, I mean, the songs are dark, they're catchy, they're all really short. Um, uh, I don't know, they just have something about him. They're all originals, except for he does an excellent cover of Richard Thompson's Wall of Death, um, which was not a song that I was familiar with before I heard this record. So, so Dax Riggs actually turned me on to Richard Thompson. Um, he was a great songwriter who was in um, the Fairport Convention. See, uh, I, didn't, I didn't even know you, that was a cover, actually. I thought that was one of his Yeah, songs. yeah. That, that, it's the only cover on there, and it's an excellent. And, and it, his version is way different than Richard Thompson's, too, which is also cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this record is – this record came out in 2007. I, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned that earlier. It, this is a record that I have been listening to ever since, like on a regular basis, you know? Like I, at least once every couple of months, I pull this record out and listen to it. It's stuck with me for – 13 years and i feel like once something sticks with you that long you're kind of in for the long haul like you know what i mean i don't see i don't see myself um 
you know, getting sick of it really because I haven't yet. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of different. Um, all the songs are different too. You know, there, it isn't like just yeah. this acoustic record or like this or that. There's a lot of different like flavors on it. You know, like like the, my two of my favorite songs is uh, I would say Radiation Blues and Truth in the Dark, and they're both completely different styles, really. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I think the opener, uh, Demon Tied to a Chair in My Brain, which is <laughs> That's a great title. Um, which is a great title, but and also a great song. Um, but uh, let's see what else. I'm pulling up the track list here. It's yeah, Demon Chair. I mean, I really, it's so hard. I mean, uh, didn't didn't yet know what I'd know when I was bleeding. Uh, Radiation Blues, which you mentioned. Spinning Song is great. Living is Suicide. I mean, there's just so there's so many, man. And there's 15 songs on the record, um, which sounds like a slog. But uh, let's see. The longest one is there isn't a single. <laughs> that hits the three minute mark so just to give you an idea they're all under three minutes and some of them are under two minutes it, it is not a slog in any way I, in my opinion i i mean i have a couple of uh you know go to like when you talk about american songwriters you know there's obviously johnny cash and roy orbison and you know people like that and I, I throw dax riggs in there man i throw him in there i throw jeffrey lee pierce from the gun club um you know, they're all Glenn Danzig. I put him in there as great American totally. songwriters, you know, when it comes to yeah. ly lyrics and atmosphere and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and, and Dax Riggs's style is very unique. I mean, like you like just by the song titles, song titles and the lyrics are, are characteristic to him, you know, like great song titles, great album titles and the stories that he tells in his songs are also very, very much like uh, they're like a, a signature of his or something, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I you know, I'm just I'm kind of looking up some stuff now. I just kind of re I didn't realize he's not actually from New Orleans. He moved there later. He's he was Indiana, born in believe, Evan, right? Indiana, yeah, Indiana. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and, and you know what, man, it looks like uh, I mean, it looks like he hasn't put anything out in like 10 years. Ah, um, so I don't know. I hope he's yeah, I hope he's doing all right. I know he might be busy with child rearing because I know. So when I, when I interviewed him in 08, he told me he had a seven-year-old. So that would mean he has a 19-year-old now. Um, so maybe that's what he's been up to, you know? Well, I hope something comes out. I you know, hope he yeah. you know, puts something out. I know like a couple times, like, um, yeah, I've been on, on tour, go to tour in the past and uh, talking to Sammy. That he, according to him, people are always asking him about doing reunions, you know, like uh, acid bath reunions and things like that. I believe but, it. Yeah, yeah, but it's pretty unlikely, apparently. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice, though. Excellent choice, by the way. Thanks, man. Thank you. Now, uh, in order of my familiarity, and this is a band that I'm really not familiar with that much. Mm-hmm. Gandalf. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this Gandalf record is a self-titled album. It came out in 1969. And uh, I was turned on to this. This is a pretty obscure record. Um, I was turned on to this by my old bandmate, uh, Kelly Johnston, who's in the Ides of Gemini band with me. Um, and I was over her house one day, like maybe 10 or 12 years ago, and she ha had his record spinning on her turntable. Uh, and, uh, I was kind of immediately 
sucked in. Um, and uh, I had to track down a copy, which took a while. Uh, originals are like really hard to come by, which is a story I'll get into. But um, uh, so the original issue, it came out on Capitol Records, a major label in 69. But uh, those are almost impossible to find. You can find them. They cost a lot of money. Um, Sundays reissued it in 2002. Uh, and that's the version I have. Um, so this band, this, this band is kind of a, I guess it's, I don't know how I would describe it. It's a psychedelic record, but it's not like, uh, not like psychedelic. Like you think about it now, like in the sort of like Jimi Hendrix or free Hawkwind kind of way. Right. I mean, this is like a pretty mellow psychedelic record. Um, uh, and the origin story is, uh, the guitarist and the singer, uh, one guy, P Peter Sando was his name. And the bassist, Bob Muller, um, they met in detention in seventh grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the band's from New York. The band's from New York City. Yeah. Um, so according to an interview that Sando gave in 2014, uh, Muller was in a band called the Thunderbirds at the time. In seventh grade, he was in a band called the Thunderbirds. And uh, they're in the process of dumping their guitar player, whose name was Michael Nuri. Michael Nuri later on to became, became a successful actor. In fact, he was one of the leads in Flashdance in the early 80s. Hmm. Um, Sando ended up replacing him in the Thunderbirds, and then the Thunderbirds changed their name to the Ragus, uh, and the Ragus became Gandalf like this. So the Ragus come together in 65 in New York City. They signed with Capitol Records in 67. Producers say, we don't like that name. You, we're gonna, you guys are going to be called the Knock Rockers. This is what producers oh. used to do back in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. That name's terrible. And that's what the band thought, too. The band hated that name. They said, no fucking way. We're not doing that. So they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And they're, at, they're playing a gig in New York somewhere. Their drummer, Davey Bauer, was reading The Hobbit at the time. And so we suggested, let's call the band Gandalf and the Wizards. Now... It became Gandalf, not because they shortened it, but because this is in the first step of what becomes th this. The story of this band is like the ultimate major label sabotage, like where a major label sabotages their own band. OK, so <laughs> they're called Gandalf, not because the band was called Gandalf and the Wizards. Right. When they record this record, when they get the records back from the press, uh, only Capital only printed the word Gandalf on the sleeve. So that was it. OK, boom. Done. Right, like right off the back. That, that's like the first thing, okay, that happens, okay? Uh, now, uh, so the, the album was recorded in 67, but Capital didn't like it. So they sat on it for two years, and it came out in 69. Then they release it with the wrong album in the sleeve. Oh, man. Then it has to be recalled, and they didn't promote it. So, of course, none of this did anything to help Gandalf, uh, and the band broke up in 68 before the record even came out. Um, so like just, I mean, Capital just screwed up one thing after the other, but so this record, it's very, it's dreamy, it's psychedelic. Um, now eight of the 10 songs are covers, which was not especially unusual, I guess, especially at the time, but, um, the songs they picked were kind of obscure, like even back then in the sixties and now they've become kind of even more obscure. So it's not like you're going to be listening to to it going oh i know that song you're not gonna i don't think you're gonna have that experience i definitely um, didn't. I, I didn't i wasn't yeah. aware of any of that 
Yeah. In fact, one of my favorites on the record, the one that, the song that really jumped out to me at first is uh, is called Hang On To A Dream, which is the second song on the record, which I was found out was originally done by a folk singer named Tim Harden. There's actually three, it turns out they actually covered three Tim Harden songs in this record. Um, uh, and then they, they also covered, uh, the, the lead off track is a Peggy Lee song called Golden Earrings, which was in a movie from 1947. And the crazy story about that is that Peter Sando, the main guy, says they recorded that song before he had ever heard anyone, including Peg Lee, sing it. And here's how that happened. <laughs> he he was flip, he was he was flip, he was trying to find a song that was in a minor key that, that he could do that they needed another song. And he was hanging out with his older sister who had a what was what was known as a fake book back then in the 60s. And what a fake book was, was these were sort of like uh, in no way authorized publications of uh, basically, they weren't really sheet music, but they basically had the lyrics to popular songs along with like the chords and like a, a, a melody line if there was a solo or something, right? Wow. And slipping through this fake book, and it, and it happened to be, it was in a minor key, and he liked the lyrics. So that's how he ended up doing the song. He did, and he says, he did, in this interview that I read that he did in 2014, so years later, he talks about how he never heard the original Peggy Lee version until like w years later, until after Gandalf had broken up. What were which his makes impressions? it even more. What, what were his impressions of the song? He didn't say, he didn't, of the original, he didn't, I, he didn't say, he didn't say. But his, the, the thing is, all, I, I have not gone through and done like a track by track analysis of the covers with the originals, except for the Tim Harden stuff, because I got into him later. But I can safely say that, you know, the Peggy Lee song and the Tim Harden stuff, these songs bear like no resemblance to the originals. I mean, the lyrics, that's it. You know, it's like they took the lyrics and just made a new song around them. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. That is um, they pretty kind cool. of like, yeah, yeah they kind of like psychedelicized all these songs. Um, and then the other two songs were, um, which, which are, uh, can You Travel in the Dark Alone and I Watch the Moon, which is the closer. Those are the originals that Peter Sando wrote. And they're, they're quite good. Um, so, I mean, this whole record is, uh, I don't know, pretty fantastic. What, what, what were your impressions? Well, once again, like I, I never, I knew the name, okay? Because I was, because they had, they actually, all right, now let me ask you a question here. There's, there's a huge discography by a band called Gandalf. And is it, is it the same Gandalf? No. So uh, this Gandalf put on record. In, uh, and then years later, like in the 2000s, uh, a compilation, and, and I think it was mostly demos actually, came out. Collection too. Um, but as far as like, but that's the only official I mean, that's it. That's the whole discography to one proper album. And then this other kind of like thing. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Well, my impressions of the record was that it, it's, um, what came to mind was like maybe the Greg Lake era of King Crimson with, mm. with a, uh, more of like an American psychedelic, like sort of twist to it. You know what I mean? Like a California, yeah. a California version of uh, King Crimson, not not as yeah. not as British, like a little bit yes. more, uh, you know, sun, like a little bit more um, valley, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, no, dude, that's a great call. Like this record is very Californian, even though the band was not from California. <laughs> exactly, and and I and I did read, you know, that they were from New York City originally, but that that actually shocked me. Like my first um, impression of the band would be that they were one of these, uh, like maybe a San Francisco or or like uh, L.A. sort of uh, late '60s band. Right, um, Laurel Canyon. Yeah, Laurel Canyon, exactly. And then there were there are moments on the record that reminded me of like uh, the early early era of King Crimson. If you sprinkled that sort of not not as like uh, you know there weren't any flights of fancy with like you know extended keyboard solos or anything like that in in their songs like the like King Crimson is want to do. But uh, but yeah, I think that that sort of juxtaposition of styles, I think for me at least, uh, encapsulates what Gandalf is about. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a, I highly recommend it to anyone. I, I mean, I, I remember even, I mean, I got my copy, even which is a reissue, I should add, years ago, and it took me a while, like I would say like six months to hunt one down. Um, I don't know what they're, what they're go for these days or how easy they are to find. I'm, I'm like, you know, maybe it's been repressed again, I don't know. Um, but uh, the originals are like, good luck. And then, you know, the, the Sunday's 2002 reissue, um, uh, it took me a little bit to find one, but I did find one. And then, but I don't know what the deal is now. I want to say that Apple Music didn't even have this, this, this particular record. They do. They do have it. Okay. Yeah, they do. I, I was listening to it on there today, actually. Oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, that was good, man. I like I said, that's a that's a, a name that had been floating out there by a band that I was um you know, thinking that I might be into. You know, really cool record cover. Um I wonder if yeah, the yeah. band actually had anything to do with the artwork or not, you know, cuz apparently like as you were well, saying. Uh, you know what? You know, it's not Yeah, there their, was a story. Uh, the title, the name is not there. It's the name that the record label decided to hang on the record, you know. Uh yeah crazy so I, the only thing i can remember i remember he talked about the artwork in the interview and the only thing i can remember is they found the guy but the guy was like originally a uh, like primarily a sculptor who did the artwork um it was a guy that they knew uh but I, we should mention because you brought it up and now that i have it pulled up here on apple music we should mention there is definitely another gandalf and they have tons of records right and this is that's not that gandalf so this this gandalf has essentially one album uh, it came out in 1969, and it's just in its self-titled. It's just called Gandalf. Um, so, yeah, all this other Gandalf stuff, I have no idea what it is, but there's tons of it. <laughs> yeah, I think that, uh, oh, man, I want to I say that the other Gandalf, because, like I said, I, I'm, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I love, uh, I grew yeah. up, that's like, Lord of the, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien, Robert E. Howard, H.P. Lovecraft. That's what I grew up reading when I was a kid. And of course, anything that has like Gorgoroth, you know, any any tie-ins to that Mordor, like all those bands, like always attracted yeah. me because of the love, um, the Tolkien connection. There, there's definitely another band out there that's got a huge discography, and that's what I, I didn't, I wasn't aware. Like you know, once again, I was learning about this through you. And that's when I was like, man, this band's been around forever, but it's they're two different bands. 
So yeah. Yeah, two different things. Yeah, I can't. I don't know anything about the other Gandalf, so I cannot recommend it. It looks judging if I'm to judge a book by its cover. It looks very new agey, uh, but this is a sort of a very mellow. Uh, dreamy psychedelic record uh, and it's, it's both the band and the title of the record is Gandalf and it's kind of the only one that looks like if you look at the album covers here it's kind of the only one that looks psychedelic like the other ones are pretty new new agey looking I would say oh you know what it is man uh, the other Gandalf has a record at least one record on Eric and um, really yeah they're they're more of like a like a uh, melodic sort of uh, like a death metal type like European style death metal band you know but, but with like huh. uh, like keyboards and stuff like that and I believe they're Scandinavian I don't know I forgot which country they're from but I believe they're from Sweden or you know Finland or Denmark or one of those one of those countries okay and, there, there's a couple of Gandalfs because this other one here this new agey <laughs> one is, is, Austri is Austrian I'm looking, I'm just, yeah. so yeah, there, there, there are a few Gandalf. So anyways, um, don't, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking for this one, folks, uh, there's a lot of ways to screw it up. Be, advi <laughs> be advised. But the, that, yeah. that makes this yeah. record even that more special, man, that it was just yeah. 1968 self-titled one record and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Right on, man. See, I'm learning, yeah. all, learning all kinds of things today. Mm -hmm. That there's about 200 bands named Gandalf. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. So the next thing that grabbed my attention was uh, this cat, Bob Villain. Okay. Bob, Bob, yeah, Bob Villain. Yeah. So Villain. It, it looks like it looks like and it's pronounced like Bob Dylan, but it's Bob Villain uh, with a Y. Okay. All right. And this and guy, I'd, so, ne I'd never heard of this dude. You know, it seems okay, new. So it seems this like guy a new is, record, this right? Guy, yeah, this is a new record. This is a contemporary guy, and I'm pushing. I'm, I'm kind of. He's someone who I met, or not met, but I, I've interact, I've interviewed recently, and I kind of is a recent discovery of mine. And uh, but I didn't really discover him. So my my friend Scott Carlson uh, turned me on to this record, and I think, or turned me on to this song. There's a video for this. The title track, "We Live Here," is the name of the record, and. Um, the the the, first, the song we live here was released before that the album I believe, um, so I think Scott who turned me onto it I think he heard about it from Lee Dorian who is um, who runs Rise Above Records and and is a singer of Cathedral and Scott was in Cathedral uh, with Lee at the end there, uh, but Bob Villain does not sound like Cathedral. No. <laughs> uh, uh, so there's actually so Bob Bob Villain is actually two guys. There's one who he is like a, a singer slash rapper and he plays guitar and does all this programming. And, a, and he's Bobby, Bobby villain. And then there's a Bob villain who plays drums. Um, and uh, this is kind of like a mix of like grime, that style of rap and punk, which may, I, I think that description may turn people off, but um, I think this stuff is pretty killer. And it's, um, it's super socially conscious. Like that the song we live here is, He's basically like just calling out racists across England, essentially. Um, you know, um, basically, he's basically saying, you know, why are you calling me, you know, the N word? Why are you looking at me funny? Like, I, I live here just like you. Like, the chorus of the song is, 
we didn't appear out of thin air. We live here. <laughs> like kind of saying like, why are you so surprised? You know? Uh, so they're based in London, but Bobby is originally from Ipswich, uh, about an hour outside of London. And Ipswich, for those who know, has kind of an eclectic uh, musical history. Um, Extreme Noise Terror is from Ipswich. Um, the kind of old school punk band, The Addicts, Mm-hmm. Um, they are from Ipswich, and uh, the ubiquitous uh, pop star Ed Sheeran is from Ipswich. Um, fun fact. Um, so yeah, there's. I mean, we live here is kind of like to me is like the the song we live here is kind of like the star of the album. But there's some other tracks like there's one called England's Ending and another one called Lynch Your Leaders, which is not just these songs aren't just addressing racism. It's kind of like a full on indictment of the UK, like England specifically, like an indictment of the country, the leaders, the monarchy, everything. He's like calling out everyone. Um, and you see him in this video and, you know, he's just like dreadlock guy. He's wearing Doc Martens and a crass shirt. Uh, and he's kind of, there's just like this punk guitar riff in the song, but he's, the song, he's kind of like the delivery is very much like in that grime style. Um, so the interview I did with him was for Bandcamp Daily was back in June. And the reason I mention it is because he is only making his music available on Bandcamp. You cannot listen to it on any of the major streaming platforms. And that's because uh, Bobby is a big believer of like keeping the revenue with the artist, in this case himself, obviously, and his bandmate. Uh, and he feels strongly that that Bandcamp is the best way to do that. Um, but I don't know. I just think this guy, I also want to point out that this song came out before like way before like six months before george floyd's murder and and all the um protests we have been seeing so um this is not a reaction to that in any way this is this is stuff that's been going on for a long time and in fact when we live here he cites a very specific um something that happened in the 90s an incident in london where um a, a black kid a teenager was basically killed by a group of white kids for you know the same shit we've been seeing forever now. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Did you ch- you check this out? What did you think? Yeah, um, I looked it up on YouTube because when you were like, "Oh yeah, you can only get this on," uh, you know, on Bandcamp. I was like, "Well, let me let me yeah. let me see if I could listen to it on YouTube." So yeah, I checked it out. Um, it was it was cool. I picked up right away that this dude was English. Um, he has a very yeah. Brit vibe. There's a video for the song "We Live Here" and. Um, yeah. I noticed that he was eating a box of chips, which uh, actually yeah. actually made me very hungry when I was watching. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was cool, man. I mean, I kind of I kind of did grime music actually. Um, you know, I, I I backed into that style of music by um, listening to Godflesh and uh, pretty much any any of the things that Justin Broderick does. And um, yeah, you know, reading about you know reading different interviews and. Any kind of like dark electronic stuff like that is is um, you know and I, and I like I'm a I'm a fan of like hip hop through the '90s and more recently I feel like there's been some pretty cool like newer hip hop that's come out but uh, but generally I fell off of that style of music um, like around you know like the early 2000s but but yeah so I, I um, it grabbed me I thought it was cool and um, yeah I I just completely wasn't aware of him i mean britain you know uk music uh some of the best of that 
of, of bands from the UK have like a political vibe. You know, you think of the clash, you think of crass, you know, there, there's like a political awareness to a lot of that stuff. And I feel like, um, you know, Bob villain, which is a great, great, uh, play on words, by the way, is, yeah. uh, you know, a modern extension of just that spirit. I feel like in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He, he's, um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm just real. Uh, I'm just a big supporter. I think what he's doing is great. Um, and, uh, it, it's not just, um, it's one of those rare combinations of things where it's like, I, I think it's real easy to turn people off with stuff that's super political. Um, it's hard to do that well, I think. Um, but he's doing, he, he's doing it really well. And uh, I'm totally back. And I think he's awesome. And I can't wait for the next, uh, the next, I um, found out some information about Gandalf real quick, if you want to just go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. The, the Gandalf that I was referring to is uh, from Finland. Okay. okay. Yeah. And uh, they okay. have two records out. One's called Deadly Fairy Tales, and the nice. other one is called Rock Hell. Wow. <laughs> That's a great name, too, by the way. Rock. And they're a, and they're they're a metal. Yeah, they're like a you know, um, melodic death metal style okay. band. And, okay. Okay, uh, so we've got the we've got the, the the death metal Finnish Gandalf, the Austrian New Age Gandalf, and then the one we were actually talking about which was the American psychedelic Gandalf. Yes. Yeah, so that's at least 3 right right away that we yeah. know about. So yeah. um so yeah, a lot of confusion around that band name, but um, <laughs> I'm glad I'm straightened out now. That's good. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, so definitely right. check out Bob Villain. And I like that the, there's two guys in the band and they're both they're both named uh, Robert in some form. There's Bob and Bobby. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I enjoy that also. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Bandcamp's cool, man. I like it. It's a good platform. And um, I feel like that might be the wave of the future in some ways, you know? I agree. I agree. Absolutely. I like, I like, I like what they're doing, you know? All right. So we got two more, uh, two more records here. Yeah. And um, they're both records that we have left. I listened to. But I didn't look at, because I'm curious about this, whether they're old or new. Because, okay, you know, there, there's some bands out there that ha are making similar styles of music to these two bands that are current. You know? Yeah. And, and they've also adopted a lot of the same production styles of, like, the older original bands. So that's why I'm, I'm like, I did, I'm like, oh, I'll ask Jay. You know, I want to know, like, if this is something that, he got into back in the day or found out about through his other explorations of older music and, you know, your, your career in the music journalist journalism world might've exposed you to this band, you know, similar to the way that you turned me on to bang. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Bang. Actually, they, you turned me on to that band and later that same day we saw them perform. That oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. At that, at the, in that thing in in Orange County. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You were driving yes, us and, down to play this festival with Pentagram and a bunch of other bands, 
and bang yeah. played. They played that same day that you turned you played that right. record for me. Yeah. That's right. And we were drinking um cold brew coffee on draft that they Dude. had there. <laughs> that was like one of the worst mistakes I think I made. They had the backstage had this like the the strongest cold brew coffee I'd ever had and I pounded it like four of them, you know. <laughs> it was it was like crack, yeah, you know. Totally. <laughs> All right, so I'd like to talk about Acid, the band Acid, and their record Maniac. Okay. All right. All right. So, so this what? one, yeah, go ahead. When did this record come out? 1983. Okay. All right. Good. And uh, they are from Bruges in Belgium. Uh, and this was actually their second record. And it was actually the second one they put out in 1983, because that's what bands did back then. Um and uh, the other record, their first record was self-titled. Uh, we could have easily talked about that one. Uh, they're pretty similar, but I just picked this one because, I don't know. Uh, well, we'll get into why, but it, it's called Maniac, which is cool. Um, but so this was a female-fronted uh, Belgian metal band. So those are not three words that you hear together generally. Uh, especially not in 1883, there still aren't a lot of like metal bands from Belgium, much less uh, female-fronted ones. Um, they were one of the first European bands uh, to to kind of they, they kind of exist in this sweet spot of where they were influenced by the new wave of British heavy metal bands, but they were also kind of a preview of thrash. Uh, I'm I'm pr I'm pretty sure that. I know for a fact that the first Acid album came out before Kill 'Em All, and I, it's possible that this one did too. I should probably look it up. Kill 'Em All also came out in '83, um, but so they kind of have that gap of like where it's coming out of the new wave of British heavy metal, getting into what was at the time called speed metal. Thrash wasn't even really a thing, um, but you can hear. And to me, the band that, that bridges that gap fully and, and influenced Metallica is obviously Motorhead, and you can hear the Motorhead influence on this record. Um, a few of the tracks, I would say, I would, in particular, I would point out America, No Time, and Bottoms Up. I mean, they sound like they could be Motorhead songs. Um, so the vocalist, uh, Kate de Lombard, is how you pronounce her name. I, I don't know if how you pronounce it. It's, her name is Kate, uh, and she has a, a Flemish name. But she's kind of like the Flemish Doro, I would say. Her oh, voice okay. has a similar... Yeah. I, that, her voice has, has a similar quality, uh, and she had like the best fucking stage outfits. Um, she dressed like kind of like a female Rob Halford with like a bullet belt, but then she had like in leather. But then she had these like thigh highs, and this cool uh, vampire cape. Um, so I can only imagine um, that you know many Belgian teenage boys were um, in love. You know, uh, so I, I should go back and say. Even prior to their first record, they put out a single called Hell on Wheels that came out on a label called Roadrunner that is not the Roadrunner we know today, <laughs> uh, awesome. oddly enough. And, and, but they couldn't get another they couldn't get this Roadrunner or any other label to put out their stuff, so they had to make their own label, which was called Giant, and which is also weird because there was another Giant Records later um, that was also not this Giant. Um, so they were a total DIY band. Um, Two of the songs from here were also uh, from this record, Maniac, were also released as singles, uh, Black Car and Lucifera. Um, but despite all this DIY action coming from this band, um, they got a lot of good gigs. Uh, 
they opened for Sabbath and Diamond Head in Brussels in October of 83. That was one gig. Acid, Diamond Head, Black Sabbath, October of 83, which was probably right around the time this record came out. Prior to that, in 82, they opened for Venom in Holland, uh, and that was Venom's first gig outside of the UK. Um, and they also opened for Motorhead in 82 uh, in Belgium as well. Um, uh, Acid, sadly, they did one more record in 85, and uh, they broke up. Um, they reformed. I, I, this I did not know. This was new information to me. They reformed last year, uh, but the current status of the band is apparently disputed because it looks like the singer, Kate, has her... It's one of those deals where there's two different versions. The, the singer, Kate, has her... It's Kate and, Kate and some dudes who are not in the original band. And then the drummer and some, has his own version. The original drummer has his own version of the band that is also, I believe contains none of the original people. <laughs> so, uh, uh, this record though, if you want to get it, uh, it's, it's, you know, you can find them. They're not impossible to find. They're kind of, the originals are kind of expensive. It, High Roller reissued it actually earlier this year, uh, Acid Maniac, but it's, um, yeah, man, it's in that you, you don't hear, I feel like this was a very short era of bands that existed and it all came out in like 83, 82, 83, 84. This is kind of the only time these bands existed where like you can hear, the new wave of British heavy metal influence, but it's almost like they're kind of, you can already hear the beginnings of what would become thrash. Um, and uh, so to me, this is one of the great like underrated Euro metal gems from the early eighties. And, and there are a lot of them, but this is one of my favorites. Um, so I'm curious, what were, what were your impressions? Well, first of all, I just brought up a picture of Kate and uh, yes, quite, quite fetching if I might add. Yes. You know, um, it's got the cape, the thigh high boots, the bullet belts, a nice touch. And uh, yeah. so that's just, uh, you know, my uh, male gaze uh, input on this uh, band. But what I'd like to add is that the, I would have guessed that they were British. And, and that, would, that would have been my first inclination. I mean, I knew yeah. I figured that they would be European, but I would think, oh, these guys are probably from England. But yeah, really cool. And and um, I, I have to say that if you told me that they came out like two years ago, I probably wouldn't like them as much, honestly. But <laughs> since they are yeah, yeah. from that era, I'm, I'm all in now. I think that they're, they're pretty yeah. awesome, and I'm, I'm going to go back and try to get some of these reissues. Yeah, they're, they're worth it. Uh, oh, another fun fact about this band. Kate, was the only, Kate, the singer, was the only one who actually went by her own name. Everyone, everyone else in the band had a, um, a stage name. Um, we had Demon on lead guitars, uh, Dizzy Lizzie on rhythm guitar, Anvil with two L's on drums, and that was and that was absolutely because I read an interview. It was absolutely because the band Anvil already existed. Um, and then, of course, T Bone on bass. T Bone, nice. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, how many records <laughs> do they have out? Like with this during during the year. Uh, the original era like how many what was their discography I believe, I believe there's three and a bunch of singles hold on i'm gonna pull it up right now so there's the self-titled which came out first um there is this record which is called maniac both of those came out in 83 and then in 85 they had another record that was called hold on engine beast 
came out in 85. And I have to say, I'm not familiar with the Engine Beast record. Um, but there's tons of little cool singles that they uh, issued for Hell on Wheels with Hooked on Metal on the flip side. Uh, Lucifera, which is on this record, had a single. Black Car, which is also on this record, came out as a single. Um, uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty... Um, they're pretty great. And like I said, yeah, they just exist in that weird... The bands only sounded like this for like like two years. They're, and they were just... Bands didn't sound like this anymore because everyone had moved into thrash, you know? Um, so, I don't know. I think they're super cool. And, and when you add in the fact that, um, you know, they have a female vocalist who had like a pretty... Who sounded good and had like a pretty unique look. Um, I mean, and they're called acid, you know? There's a lot to like about them. Yeah. All right. So I, I'm going to assume that this next band, Wolf, is also from a similar era. And you would be wrong. Oh, my God. Um, this band actually formed, Wolf is the band, mm -hmm. and they formed in 95. Oh. And Evil Star, uh, which came out in 2004, was their third album. Uh, they have eight albums at this point. They actually released one this year. Um, I would say all of the Wolf albums have something to recommend. They, they all have at least a handful of tracks that, that I enjoy. But this one is my favorite. It's like a front-to-back banger, if you ask me. I've enjoyed it since it came out. Um, it came out, it was one of the first records that Prosthetic Records put out. Uh, okay. and it, it, it came out only on CD in the U.S., uh, the vinyl actually came out um, the next year, in 2005, through a German label, a small German label called Immortal Vinyl. Uh, and you, you should expect to pay for like 100 bucks if you want to copy the vinyl. I wish I had it on vinyl. I don't. Um, this record uh, was recorded and produced by Peter Tagtman, who did so many things from that era and still, and still does. Um, at, at the time, they recorded this record, which is called Evil Star. Um, they were power trio, uh, but on their very next record, they became, they added a second guitarist and became a four piece. And I think there's some overlap there because the guy who became their second guitarist for the next three records has a song credit on one of the songs on this record. So I feel like the kind, they kind of already made that transition, but they recorded this record as a three piece. Um, this is like pure, they're from Sweden. This is like pure heavy metal, like no prefix. Uh, these are, this, these guys, you know, clearly grew up listening to Iron Maiden and Metallica and Slayer um, and Dio and Judas, Judas Priest, especially. Um, I feel like you can hear all that. Um, uh, there's two, on the CD, there's two covers. Killer. These are songs that I would not recommend any band cover. But Wolf does them, and they sound awesome. They cover Don't Fear the Reaper and by Blue Oyster Cult and Die by the Sword by Slayer. And both versions are smoking, like, so good. I, it's, it, those are not easy. You know what I mean? Like, it just, those songs are so classic, I just feel like you shouldn't even fuck with them. Um, but they did, and they sound awesome. Um, and uh, I, I just found this out when I was doing research. I did not know this prior. Um, Apparently, Wolf, they have their own hot sauce. And it's actually called Wolf's Blood, and it's named after, a, and there's a song called Wolf's Blood on this album. So it was named after a song from this album. Um, they also apparently have their own absinthe, um, but that is not related 
to this record. Um, but yeah, they're, they're great. They put out a record this year um, called Feeding the Machine, um, which I've only kind of, I haven't really spent much time with it yet. Um, uh, but uh, I don't know. I've enjoyed all their records to, to more or less. There's always some songs that I love, but this record is the one to me, Evil Star. So wh what, did, what did you think? Yeah, I dug it. I, I figured they were some kind of European, you know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. They have like a, they had a year, the whole Euro thing. Uh, heavy, heavy lean on Judas Priest and, yes. and uh, Maiden for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, definitely in that, in that realm. And um, yeah, like I, I, once again, I'd seen the name around. Uh, I had no idea about the band or whether, you know, what, what country they were from. I just, you know, listening to the, to the tracks on the record made me think they were Europeans. And, um, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And are, are they, they're currently still active, you say? Yeah, they just put out a record this year. Uh, hold on, I'll, uh, let me see if I can uh, pull it up here. They put out a record this year, I believe Century Media put it out. Oh, okay. Uh, yep, they're on Century Media. They have been for a while. Uh, the record is called Feeding the Machine, came out this year. Um, their last record came out six years ago. It's called Devil Seed. And uh, speaking of Jesus Priest, so the... Uh, I, wait, is it Devil Seed or is it the one before that? Hold on a second. I, 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 I just bought both of these on vinyl recently. Um, uh, so one of them, okay, so one of their two previous records, I want to say it's Devil Seed, I think. But it could be, anyway, or it could be Legion of Bastards, which came out in 2011. The bonus, the bonus track on that one is actually a cover of Judas Priest's Rockarola, and they do a smoking version of that, too. Um, which is also, like, uh, yet another song that I love that I would not recommend anyone cover, but Wolf can somehow pulls this stuff off. I gotta check. It. I gotta. I gotta get get down with this band for sure. And uh, yeah, what I, what I love is like right now because I don't know. Who, I wasn't into Wolf from you know since the '90s. Someone's gonna think I'm like some false metal guy, which is one of the things I love about um, you know people who yeah have opinions yeah. about stuff so that's that's going to be awesome um but yeah dude that's, I, that's cool. you know as far as i know this band uh i i think from what i can gather I, I don't think they've ever been to the i mean someone can fact check me on this but here's my 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 impression is i don't think they've ever been to the u.s i don't think i've ever toured here uh a lot of their records are not like if you go to like the century media website i think one of the records is available like on lp uh, like you have to order them from Europe usually. Like I don't even know if they're putting this stuff out in the U.S. Most of it, um, they've I, they've never come here as far as I know. And and I think I think they do tour occasionally, but I think they're more like one of those like festival bands. Yeah, I was like just they, gonna say that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Like they come out in the summer, play the festivals. I think they, they're probably like you know. I mean, they're like they all work for a living and have families. I'm sure all that kind of thing. I know the singer, uh, the, the singer guitar player, the main guy, um, his name is uh, Nicholas Stalvind. Um, I know he has, a, 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 I saw an interview with him on Decibel recently, um, or it was from a few years ago, but I saw it recently, where he mentioned that he has kids and stuff. So I think these guys are like, you know, kind of family guys who don't tour much, but they make, they've made eight records since. The first one came out in 99. Um, the most recent one came out this year. Uh, and yeah, this one, to me, Evil Star, it's the third record. It came out in 04. 
And to me, it's 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 the one. It's the one. They're, but they're all, like I said, they, they all have they, they all have cool stuff about them. So, right on, man. I got to get down with these guys. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun, man. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, it was great. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You know. So, anything uh, new and exciting um, on the horizon for you for you right now, Jay? You know, the writing career or anything like that? More music, that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just working, you know, working, uh, hiring my services out to the lowest bidder, um, that kind of, that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> the lowest bidder. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how it feels sometimes, but yeah. Um, yeah. You know, working for all the usual suspects, uh, you know, trying to get, the. You know, I, you know, in this era, of course, I'm just happy to be working. So many people are unemployed. And yeah. so, you know, for me to sit here and complain, it's not really, uh, I'm not going to do it, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, man, you know, I, 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 I've been working from home for, you know, 17 years now. So it's not really that big of a change for me. <laughs> you know, I've been it's the same thing I've always been doing. Um, and I'm lucky it's still going, you know, I, I mean, I'm to me, you know, Next to the president of the United States, I'm America's least essential employee. So, well, I, um, to me, I think you're more important to me than the current president of the United States. So, yeah. Well, no, I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you on that. But I would say, you know, I, I, I that's what I'm saying. I'm saying he is America's least essential employee. But probably the next, the next least essential employee was it might be me. <laughs> now, now that Kellyanne Conway is quit, you know. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for, uh, for our deep cuts, man. We're going to do more of these things. So everyone take care. Nothing below or above We're singing from the blood on love Nothing below or above Well, that's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, an official Gimme Metal podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. This show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Metal, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android. For one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care. Maybe that never